Hi, and welcome back to the Mentor Cruise podcast. There's no doubt about it, tech workers are in demand, be it software engineers, product designers, or managers. Many see these growing career paths as a way to get ahead in their professional lives, and rightfully so. However, one type of tech worker doesn't quite get the same spotlight, and that's cybersecurity and security engineers. And yet, it's one of the careers that's predicted to grow the most in demand. But what is cybersecurity and what do you do in this part of the tech industry? This is something that Stephen Groth is going to talk us through today. Stephen has been a security engineer for many years and today leads a security team at Datadog. Hey, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. Great to see you in person. So you've been in cybersecurity for a couple of years now. What made you originally go into the security space? I feel like it's not something that's on a lot of people's radars, right? Yeah, it's it's also really hard to break into. I feel like everyone wants security engineers to have a lot of experience before they start, which makes it even harder. I was really lucky. I got started when I was younger. I was working in the Washington, D.C. area in the United States. And a lot of the work there is security related. So I sort of got to dive in really early to security related problems. And then I sort of expanded to more software and security related roles. So you've been in in software before as I'm going to say a traditional software engineer, and then you changed over to to security as your main thing, or was it kind of something that has accompanied you throughout your career? I would say it's sort of both at the same time. And one of the things that I've really sort of picked up and learned is that a lot of the security problems that exist are really just classic software problems. So I started doing security, then I went to doing sort of more Android kernel development, classic software work. I actually then went into hardware security work and started doing like physical hardware pen testing. Then I wrote software that automated physical hardware pen pen testing. And then I went to cloud related stuff. So I was sort of very lucky that I got to dabble in a bunch of different things all the way down really, really low to really, really high. Was this something that you consciously picked out or was it something where you were just lucky that it was one of the parts uh, of the job? I think coming from the area that I came, so many jobs are are security related and they love to have people with a software component in there that I sort of mm-hmm. stood out as having a little bit of security experience with some some software knowledge. If you talk about security as a software problem, I think that also appeals to to a lot of people. You know, a lot of the work that I do too can really be done by linters and stuff like that, right? So just encouraging yeah. <laughs> people to use linters can solve a lot of your security problems per, per se. If I'm a software engineer right now, and maybe I'm interested in going more into to cybersecurity and security, what are, are kind of the easiest things that I could pay attention to? I think that there's so many opportunities these days in the CICD pipelines to add security in that provides value, that it's an area where you can sort of land and get get a foothold and then really be able to expand. And, you know, people want to throw you out of the room, but maybe turn on one little check and you can go in and fix those, those bugs and then make it enforcing, make it so that people can't make that mistake again, otherwise that, that PR gets blocked. And it gives you something to build on, also helps you gain trust. One of the big things that I've learned in security is that you do not want to be the security guy that says no. You want to be the security guy that says yes. I like the idea of not being the naysayer, essentially, but but being someone that pushes other people up. I think that makes you a lot more popular throughout the team. <laughs> it's so much better if you, ha- if you have to come in and say no, 
come in and say no, but have an idea of how to fix the problem. When I was doing hardware work, I'm not a good hardware writer, right? So I would come in and I would say, well, we can't do this, but maybe we could do this. My goal was to really try to make sure that people had a path forward and that because I had to come in and say it was a problem that I was going to try to contribute to that path forward. A good piece of advice, not only for security, but probably all areas in, in a career to, you know, not be a blocker and a, a downer, but to come with ideas and try to collaborate. Today, you lead a security team at Datadog. How does that look like exactly? Uh, so I actually treat the security team a lot like a software team, right? We mm -hmm. have features that we're trying to, to release. We have, we have tasks. I believe that security is a software problem. And thankfully, we're able to solve that through software. So we use a lot of Go to write sort of little glue applications but between things, a lot of Python and a lot of, of Terraform to sort of stand infrastructure up. That's, that's quite interesting. Who do you work with? What's the background of, of someone that might be in your team? So we've actually just started taking on new software engineers who are, who are just out of, out of school, uh, who are hired into the sort of new graduate pipeline and bringing them onto the security teams. I think that has a lot to do with the team's maturity. I have some more senior people on the team, and it's really nice that they can sort of go off and do their own thing. But at the same time, when there's someone new on the team with less experience, the documentation has to be better. The support processes have to be better. We're 100% remote. And so we wanted to make sure that we had that, that community and that infrastructure and those team processes set up. And I think we've just gotten there recently. Mm -hmm. So we actually just have a new just out of school hire that just joined us and is just starting. I think they're learning a lot of the security aspects along the way, but I think that comes down to us helping them scope their work first. So it very much sounds like, you know, problems of, of software engineering jobs, having documentation there up to the standard. The expectations that I would have is that maybe security is also a little bit more high stakes, like it's probably less room to mess up. Is that a, a mismatched expectation or is, is that something that you could kind of see? I can see how people feel that that way, right? And there's definitely certain pieces of security that 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 you can't mess up. But again, to me, that's much more of just a test problem, right? Before you push out a change, let's really make sure that we test that change and that it's not going to affect stuff in a in a negative way. I think a lot of I think you learn a lot too from making mistakes and messing up and having problems like that. I think that I know engineers who on their first in their first week brought down production. We didn't necessarily see that as a problem. We saw it as a problem or a problem for them. We saw it as a problem for us for not controlling how they interact with our production infrastructure. If I want to become an engineer in cybersecurity or, or a security engineer, what growth opportunities do I have? Maybe also looking at the soft engineering path where obviously I can grow into you know engineering management. I can become a tech lead, a team lead. I can go to VP level, CTO and so on. If I go into the specialization of, of cybersecurity, what other paths do I have from there on out? I actually think you you end up having a lot of the same paths. Obviously, you wouldn't go to CTO, you would probably go to CISO uh, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that a lot of the paths are, are going to be the, the same. Taking a much more software approach to security allows you to do is that if you ever get really bored, you can also just pivot back to pretty standard software. There's definitely a lot more of a ramp back up to sort of writing software all day 
versus doing sort of a security software mix. I also think that security lends itself really well to that DevOps practice. Is, is that the case, do you think, throughout the industry? Or is that something that's more personal to how you lead teams that with a very heavy focus on software engineering as well? I think it really sort of depends on the size of the security org that, that you're looking mm -hmm. at. I think smaller security orgs tend to focus and tend to have a need for people to be a jack of all trades and to be sort of spread between a lot of different areas. I also think that even in those older orgs, there's always these days tons and tons of room for automation. And there's a bunch of new companies these days that are doing low, no code, but with a security focus specifically. Fork and Pines are two that, that come to, to mind. In terms of resilience, right now, I think it's in, in all the media that the, the big companies and startups and so on are doing layoffs. And engineers have kind of counted as almost untouchable for a very long time. It's not quite the, the case anymore. It feels silly to try and lay off a security org, right? Like how is the, the feeling there right now? Is that quite resilient? And security is kind of the last thing you should lay off in a, in a... I feel like this is one of the critical pieces that people always have to remember is that security doesn't necessarily generate revenue, right? So there's always going to be this desire to let's focus on the revenue generating pieces of the of the mm -hmm. org and security doesn't generate revenue. And so it's always really important for security orgs to then tie themselves back to revenue. I think that the problem with some security is that the their goal is so nebulous that it's really hard for them to show value, right? So if your goal is secure the system and the system's not being broken into, then everyone says, well, why are we continuing to invest there? We've already invested mm -hmm. enough. So I always encourage people to say, hey, right, you have all these other skills. You can always pivot to something else as well, which makes it valuable. But finding ways of you know, building sort of that, that revenue piece into security, that's what leads to that that job sick, that job security percent. We were talking a lot about, you know, big companies and, and security orgs being built. Do you feel like there are a lot of or any opportunities in startups as well? Or would we then have to look at, you know, security focused startups then? No, I actually think there's tons of opportunities in startups, particularly because they want those people who are jacks of all trades, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're a, you have a little bit more DevOps experience, but you really want to do more security re related stuff. A startup is a great place to then sort of take on that security re related role, just sort of presenting yourself as someone who's interested in security and who wants to, to learn more. And you'll pick up those basics. Also, it can't hurt to do the, the certs certifications work really, really well for getting recruiters and sort of people interested in you. But I think a lot of times in the industry, depending on who you talk to, and I might be, I might fall in this category at some point, the number of certs that you have after your name, we feel like you're just trying to overcompensate, right? What are the, the most relevant certs, would you say? You know, maybe if I'm in software engineering or I just want to enter the space. I always tell people a good one to start with is CompTIA's Security Plus. That's a that's a that's a really good one. Builds on a lot of sort of networking knowledge. Builds on some some sort of basic security concepts like least privilege. Once you sort of graduated to you know may, maybe you've gotten that or maybe you just read that and you're really really confident. You just want to move forward. Maybe you sort of have your first security related job. A great one, I think, also is the ISC squared CISSP. One of the things with CISSP that often scares people off 
is that it says you have to have five years of experience, but you can actually take the test and then start getting your five years of experience after you pass the test. Mm, so there's nice. no requirement there to actually specifically have that five years of experience before, before you apply. You just sort of go into a, to a different status with them. Oh, that's, that's very cool to, to know. Maybe looking at the future of, of cybersecurity, what's kind of on your horizon? How is the space going to, to change? And, and what are the big new things that are coming up for, for cybersecurity as a career choice? What's old is new again. I think that there's a lot of <laughs> concepts from the software world that are going to start to be applied to the security world, which are going to start to be really, really powerful. Things like no low-code type environments for security security, I think could start to be really, really valuable for a lot of different orgs, especially as it's really hard to hire that security person with all that software knowledge. There's a lot more work that's being done now around the idea of a zero trust. So I think that there's a lot of sort of opportunities there that are coming out a lot faster than people realize. And to be honest, I think that there's a lot of networking knowledge that's been lost these days, right? People sort of set up their home router and then they call it a day these days and they don't really dive deep on that networking side as much. And cloud providers have sort of abstracted that layer away from a lot of people. So I think that that might come back into to focus. Yeah, exciting times. So we're coming towards the end of our podcast and I would like to have three questions for you before we end. The first one is if you could recommend one book that people should pick up right now about cybersecurity. So the book that, that I actually have on my on my shelf is Research Methods and Human Computer Interaction. And that's, if you think about it, security is often a human problem, right? Someone clicks on a phishing link or someone's doing something that they that they shouldn't, someone coded something that they shouldn't. How can we sort of help stop that? That's a great point, lovely idea. And then the second question would be, if I'm now interested in cybersecurity, and we were touching upon that in the podcast, what's the first step I should take today or tomorrow? Start trying to work on projects that it, that you think are interesting around security. There's tons of great tutorials online. There's tons of things about how to set up a server and then try to pen test it. Start trying to sort of work through those problems. It's always going to be really hard. You're going to feel like you're struggling. And there's that sort of productive struggle where you're actually making progress, but it doesn't feel like it. And then you'll plateau and reach out for help when you when you plateau so you don't feel too stuck. Amazing. And and talking about help, obviously you're available on Mentor Cruise and we're going to link your profile in the, the podcast episode. But where can people follow your work elsewhere? So I'm also on GitHub at my full name, Stephen Grove. And I'm also, I maintain a website that has very sort of hidden, but interesting selective links at my full name, which is www.stephengrove.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stephen, and have a good day. You too. Thank you.